Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Kules. Welcome to Barca Talk. This is your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in the Spanish capital. Obviously, there's no match review because Barca plays Granada tonight at 9 o'clock local time. So we will discuss that game this Friday in our Barca Talk Cafe. Now, before I get into my stats-heavy interview with Robbie Dunn, I just wanted to kind of give my quick comment about Kuman. I've been fixated over the weekend about Kuman, especially just watching his press conferences and, more importantly, just the results and what we've seen of Barcelona so far. Again, Kuman is kind of in a no-win situation, right? Because... If he plays all the youths and they lose, people are upset because of the results. Obviously, he plays the veterans, and there's average results. It's like, why don't we use the, the youth? And I, and I am definitely guilty of this, right? But again, I think, you know, especially judging the temperature of our WhatsApp group, I think the majority of us would prefer the youth movement, to go with the youth, to go with the hustle, the speed, the energy, because at least maybe not be the prettiest, but at least, you know, they're going for balls. They are just more active and we just kind of see that on screen. Again, I don't know what Kumin can do. You know, we've, we've talked about different formations. He's played with different formations. Obviously, the, the, the bench and, the, and our players aren't up to par as what we're normally used to, you know, especially with the addition of Luke Dijon and so forth. But again, to me, it's, it's, it's what can Kumin do to get out of this, right? I'm always looking at solutions, and that's why I'm always thinking, trying to think outside the box because... I'm, that's just the type of person I am. I'm always trying to look and figure out solutions. And when I don't see, especially my the, the sports teams that I love and follow and their coaching staff not doing that type of effort, it just drives me crazy because I just don't know what they're doing behind the scenes. I know there was a video I saw on Twitter yesterday where there were some players doing shooting drills, and I just kind of I just kind of laughed because when do they ever shoot like that in the game? I don't even understand why they're doing the drill because that's the thing that drives me crazy. It's like Kumin just needs to put something together. I just, I need something. And the only something that's going to give me this kind of hope where I'll ignore results is using the youth players, you know, using Balde, using Demir, using Gavi, using whoever, right? Under 25, I'm in. Because that, to me, is going to show me energy on the field. And that, to me, gets me psyched. And, for example, if you tell me tonight, right now, you know, this is 4.45 Madrid local time, that Luke Dijon is going to start, and we don't have any youth going in, and Alba's playing, and so forth. 
I'm gonna have a hard time watching this match. Yeah, with some any type of enthusiasm. But if you tell me all of a sudden Balde's gonna start, you know, we're gonna have Gavi in there, I'm in. I'm I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna start watching. I'm enthusiastic because of this, right? Because I want to see the youth. I want to see the youth. As I've said before many times, La Masia players are going to get out of us. They're going to get us out of this financial hell because of their salaries, because they can perform at elite levels. We just we saw last season with Minguesa, right? So the players can't do it. Now, are they elite players? Not all of them are elite players. Are they above average? Yes, they are above average. And I think Kuman really needs to lean on La Masia players from the start. Not bring them in when you're losing a Bayern already 3 nothing and you have no hope. No, no, no. You don't get credit for that. I need you to start these La Masia players. Get them experience. This is the time. We're seeing, you know, last night in the Valencia-Real Madrid match, those are the top two teams right now in the league. Uh, for, for, for me right now. The way they're playing, the way they're winning matches and so forth. Obviously, Real Madrid got the last two goals in the last minute to get the three points. But they're going to be, you know, the way they're using their youth players is something admirable, right? Because they're using, for example, Rodrigo and obviously Vinicius is starting and so forth. So that's what we need to trend in. Have a better mix of youth and vets, right? Obviously, with PK, for example, have a Rahu in there. You know, obviously with Pedri, but Pedri's injured right now. So who gets that opportunity, right? Is he going to use Coutinho? I would rather not see Coutinho, but that's just my opinion. I would rather see a youth player to have better possession, better play on that left side. Anyway, we'll see what happens tonight uh, against Granada. You know, hopefully we can get the three points. And now, you know, (laughs) more than ever, every match is going to be very, very complicado. And every match we'll never know going into the match if we have the best advantage as we used to have before. So we will see what happens. Anyway, before I get into our interview with Robbie Dunn, quick action items really quick. Our newsletter. We have a Barca Talk newsletter that comes out every Wednesday. It's basically an aggregator of the best articles, tweets, and videos about FC Barcelona all in one place. Sign up. It's easy. It's free. You get it delivered right to your inbox. Second thing, if you are looking for a fun community about Barcelona, join our Patreon community. Our WhatsApp group is amazing. I love it so much. It's basically group therapy. If you are looking to talk to football, Barca football, at any moment, at any time, in our WhatsApp group, you throw that question, someone's going to answer. Someone is available at all times, which is great. I love it so much, especially during the matches when we can banter back and forth. And even off, you know, we we, we just learned Greg... Craig went to go play football for the first time, and he ruptured, <laughs> he tore his hamstring, among other things. We get to exchange different things about that. It's a lot of fun. So for $5 a month, I think it's worth it. You help support the podcast. Definitely check it out. After the break, we go stats heavy with Robbie Dunn. So how how excited are you about uh, Falcao joining Rio Vallecano? Because I know... Last year, you wrote your book, or you had your book published about Rayo Vallecano. Uh, how excited yeah. are you about Falcao coming to Rayo? Yeah, very much so. I'm. Uh, I think. I think they have a real chance of staying up. And, and the problem with Rayo in the last couple of years is they come up and go down, and then go up and go down. And you can't build any kind of a team, or you can't really get too hopeful because you're you're either fighting relegation, or else you're in the Segunda, which is you know it's kind of uh because. Oh, in a way, you feel like you're too good for Segunda, but then yeah. you get in, and then you get into La Liga, and all of a sudden you're at the very bottom of the food chain. So it's kind of hard being a fan. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I can imagine. Uh, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, the one of the main reasons I wanted to bring you on is just kind of get your statistical point of view on this because you are so heavily into statistical analysis of La Liga and football as well. Last time we talked in it seems like a lifetime ago now, like two years ago, you had told me about your kind of your passion for statistics. And I just kind of want to get your ideas. You know, I sent you a bunch of questions about this. First of all, I want to start off with XG. What is your overall opinion about XG? Do you think it is a good stat for us to measure how good, uh, you know, expected goals are for attacking players, especially? So you've got me on now, and maybe I am a good person to get on because I'm not, by any means, advanced in terms of data analysis, and and I, but I'm also not a complete novice. I'm I'm a begin, I'm very much a beginner, but um. But I do have kind of a some kind of an understanding of what what what's trying to be achieved, I guess. And I think it's a great tool to use. And I think the problem maybe a lot of people find is, is that like the it's not like a magic bullet either. It's not sure. going to solve all your problems. And and a lot of the time maybe um people think that oh just because you or yeah, I mean like we 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 won't get into like the the anti intellectualism of the whole thing, but people who are against xg kind of have a, have a traditional view of how how sport how soccer or football is um is discussed and and how how they see it and i think there's a kind of a fear there that uh, data and the numbers and science is going to take over and it's 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 not going to have the same passion and and um effect that it does uh, that that, that it, it, it used to have whereas XG is just another tool to use to analyze the game, and um, and I think it's excellent in in that sense, and it gives you a really good barometer of 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 the process behind what a team is trying to do. So, for example, we've all seen games where you've got a team that absolutely batters another team, and they uh, their strikers just misses three really good chances. But they were by far the better team, and uh, so what? What happens is, uh, and then, sorry, and then the other team go up and counter and score a goal, win one nil, and the whole narrative is that, or the whole idea is that uh, the team that won are the better team, and that's it. Whereas we all kind of know intuitively that watching the game that that wasn't the case. Like the better mm. team did not win, and I just think that um, over the course of the season, we see maybe those results. Those results can even out, but at the same time. There's there's a saying that uh, the I don't know who was that said it, but basically the stock market can remain chaotic longer than you can remain solvent, and I think basically <laughs> what that is that like so a manager will get sacked before the 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 results will remain crazy longer than a manager can remain in position, but if you have a the, a good owner in place to see no 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 the process is right here it's just that the market is crazy <laughs> we've got the right guy in charge uh, you know and i think xg is just another tool and i mean we're, we're talking about xg this could be any metric i mean and there's going to be more advanced ones coming out now with the rise of artificial intelligence and yeah and uh video tracking and play, player tracking and stuff like that so I mean, XG is just uh, another tool to use and i think it's excellent in in terms of kind of understanding the, the underlying processes um, of a match, of a team, of a style, 
of, of uh, yeah, a good a, a gives you a better feel for what's actually happening. A lot of people, you know, especially in the last ten years, that's become kind of more popular with statistical analysis and football and so forth. Is calling it the Moneyball movement of football, essentially, because going back to the Oakland A's and so forth, that kind of use analytics to kind of feel the team at budget to get results. And so, is there a team in La Liga right now that is like kind of on the forefront of using? this kind of statistics analysis, maybe for their decisions in transactional. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I assume Real Madrid and Barcelona have, you know, money invested into it. But I just feel like, you know, if we're going to use the analogy of Moneyball, usually that would kind of be a mid-tier table team that's maybe investing heavily in, in this type of uh, advancement and analytics. Is there a team in La Liga that is kind of uh, on the forefront of this and using it uh, quite a bit in order to make their transaction decisions? To be honest with you, I don't think there is no. And I mean, Barcelona. If you if you've um, I don't know if you read Simon Cooper's book about um about Barcelona, the Barcelona mm -hmm. complex. But he and and I think he's spoken about it before. But and I've heard that the Barcelona data, the, you've got the Barcelona Innovation Hub, and they hired data scientists, and they've got all sorts of data analysis, uh, data analysts, and and uh, and uh, they use that at, at the hub, but. It, it actually doesn't translate to either their uh, transfer business or uh, how they uh, their style of play. So you've got like a club like Barcelona at the very top and they're not using it. And I can't say this for certain, but I would be quite sure that there's not many teams in in La Liga with a dedicated either either a dedicated data analyst or data scientist, and for sure a data analysis department like we mm. would see in the NFL, NBA, sure. MLS. Um, and, and, and I mean, even even Real Madrid, you mentioned there, I don't think that they have a, they've got like what's called an analyst, but I, I don't think that he's using like what, what, what I what I would understand as data analysis, uh, numbers and, and, uh, and he would be watching the game. He would, he would be watching the game, giving feedback based on maybe distant like the distance run number of sprints yeah. things like that uh, which is its own kind of different which is much more of a science than data analysis said uh, but it's it's a completely different thing than what i would be studying at the moment and what i'm trying to kind of um, what i'm trying to get into so do you think there's this kind of apprehensive because it's just too new and they don't see the value of it? Because, you know, like what happened in baseball, essentially with Moneyball, is it just took forever for these, you know, when the Oakland A started winning some, you know, AL West championships, then people started to look at a way to, you know, to use that for their transactional decisions. Do you just think that Barcelona and Real Madrid, for example, are fine with what has been working, obviously, for the past 15 years of just, you know, using their talent and free agency and so they don't see this need of uh statistical analysis innovation or do you you know do you think it's something like that with because you know you live here in spain i live mm. here in spain and just you know how it is you know with websites when you have to do government stuff right mm. is that the same mentality where it's just kind of like ah it's nice to have a, a website but we don't want to invest in this type of innovation or statistical analysis yeah i i, I think like i mean you could you could you could do you could do a a, a, a PhD dissertation on this. <laughs> I genuinely think I, I I genuinely think my theory behind this is is that Spain Spain used to be an empire. Like Spain mm. was um Spain was an imperial power, and and they've got this sense of confidence in in their own and and as a nation, Francisco Franco um 
would try to make to turn Spain into a, this powerful nation state, which he did. Uh, um, but the so so with that comes a certain insular kind of isolationism, okay? And Spain, because of Franco and because of the slow kind of uh, emergence out of uh, fascism and, and dictatorship, they have this, they're slow to adapt in part because of, of uh, the fact that they were isolated for so long, but also in part because Spain is seen as its own entity. Like, I mean, so you, I, I, like you're from America and America obviously is a world power. I'm from Ireland and we, you see, like within our society, a lot of what we do comes from England. Mm-hmm. And obviously we've got our own um, history with England, but we not that we lack lack as a nation self-esteem, but we have this kind of openness to, oh, well, whatever they're doing, we'll do. Like, we're just kind of followers in a way. And it kind of comes down to, like, if you, I don't know if you remember Roy Keane, uh, he left left the World Cup camp in Ireland uh, in Saipan because he was all, he was like, we're just here for a party, like, and there, there is that kind of a feel around with Ireland and uh, especially for soccer and football, in that like we're we're not really leaders in that sense. And Spain, back to my point, is see themselves as leaders. They're not followers. And in that sense, and because of the language, I mean, all all the other um, and no, not all of them, but most of the other countries in Europe speak English, English. to yeah. to a very high level, like Norway. The Germans uh, speak English very well. In Spain, only recently, the Spanish people, of uh, the younger generations, have started to speak English. Anyway, my point is, is that they they do it their way. We're going to do it our way. And slowly but surely, it does seep through, but it just takes longer for them to adapt to certain ways. Like you look at the likes of like uh, podcasts, for example. Podcasts are slow to take off in Spain. Sure. Um, and and it's kind of, yeah, I've, I've thought about this a lot. And, I mean, you, you walk down, I mean, like your your local village anywhere around Spain, like there's no Starbucks. Yeah. There's very few McDonald's in terms of like the way that, um, you know, and that's just, these are just kind of maybe metaphors for the whole entire thing and that they're slow to adapt. And I think that's basically the, um, uh, that's probably why Spain do it their way and they'll adapt in their own time, which can both lead to their own kind of innovation, but also they're slow to kind of, react to what sure. the rest of the world is doing. Sure, sure, sure. Now, really quick before we get into some Barca talk, uh, I had a question for you because I'm curious. If there's a match that you did not watch, what are kind of the stats that you immediately look at to kind of get a vibe of what happened during that match? Are there like are there four or five uh, statistics that you look at immediately just to kind of get an idea and the feeling of the match? Or do you just kind of uh, just get an overall picture at all of these statistics, or what's kind of your your kind of thought process, like especially when you don't see the match. Yeah, well, well, it depends, I guess, on what uh, on what I'm trying to achieve. Like, like I'm, I, I'd always, I always have to, you have to watch the game. I mean, it's, it's not never enough to just look at a statistic. But I mean, say for example, I could get, uh, I like, I mean, obviously goals, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but like. <laughs> But then you've got XG, and then what you'd look at is kind of like uh, maybe shots on target, like like very very basic stuff. You don't have to dive that deep into this. And then and then beyond that, what I would what I kind of like to do is if 
because you know yourself, you're watching a game on the TV and you're kind of half watching, kind of half scrolling on your phone and you're, you know, like, I mean, or you're sitting watching a game with friends and you come away and then you read a match report the next day and you're like, what? I missed like 90% of what this person is talking about. Um, so like, unless, so say for example, when I was sitting down and watching a, a, a game in a bar or watching a game with friends or watching, half watching a game while I'm doing some other work, I'd have an idea for what happened. And then like you get, so there's this new uh, metric called uh, well, expected threat. Uh, that's a good one for like to, to understand like exactly how a player progressed the ball into dangerous areas. There's another metric that's kind of similar called expected possession value. And these are like basically, basically the pitch is broken up into little grids and like, like tiny little squares, like pixels almost. Mm-hmm. And each grid has a, a value as to how when the ball is in this area, this is the chance of a goal or this is the chance of um, something dangerous happening. So I'm Jordi Alba, for example, and I'm passing the ball consistently into the penalty area. Mm-hmm. And Memphis Depay is consistently missing the target. Traditionally, Jordi Alba is just getting a successful pass, the same way as Mark Andrik Terstegen is getting a successful pass to PK six yards beside him. But with expected possession value, expected threat, Jordi Alba is being graded on, he's delivering the ball into these really dangerous areas consistently. And uh, we can actually give that a number then, and and then you can uh, you can you can go from there. But um, that that's probably on the other end of just goals, shots on target, passes completed, uh, key passes, things like that. There's a whole kind of other area in the middle that you could kind of look at, and depend on what you're what you're trying to do, uh, what you're trying, what story you're trying to tell, what you're trying to understand, how you're trying, are you trying to write an article? Are you going to go on a podcast and talk about it? Are you just trying to understand what kind of position the person's playing in uh, under a certain manager, stuff like that? And um, so, so it kind of all depends, and it's it's very uh, context based, but. But they're just some of the some of the things that I would look at when I'm analyzing a player. That's interesting. I like that new that new stat, yeah, about Jordi Alba and, and like that possession and threat idea because, like you said, before it was just about passing completion and completion, and that doesn't really tell you the whole story, right? Because if he's incompleting pass after pass, then it kind of goes more on Jordi Alba rather than on Memphis, for example, for not converting that. So that's interesting. Uh, I also want to just talk about Pedri. Is Pedri just going to be this, um, like the best statistical midfielder that Barca's ever had? Because I feel, you know, in the past year, just seeing his ratings and just seeing his heat map and just uh, obviously completions of passes and so forth, is he just kind of this phenomenon that we, I mean, when I watch the match, of course, I see the production that he's doing, but also maybe on a statistical analysis, is he just breaking through in levels that we don't even know about? I think that's interesting because, like, you look at, I, I guess in in some way he's lucky because he's coming uh, uh, right at the moment when these kind of players are being are being valued much higher. Like I remember, like years and years ago when Busquets was breaking onto the scene, and like we were we were watching Barcelona for years, and everyone was talking about Iniesta, and and, and talking about Iniesta as in yeah, he's a great player, but like. How do we value? Like we just yeah. knew we liked watching him play. We knew he was graceful. We knew he was stylish, but we didn't really know why we liked him, or or, or couldn't really 
give it a give, not that we want to give everything a number, but but like we weren't able to kind of uh, explain properly why we liked him. And then it took like uh, people watching Barcelona consistently to kind of come out and say, "Whoa, wait a minute, Busquets is the key to this whole thing." And I remember like I was watching, I was like obviously uh, i don't know how many years ago this is but i was like what what Busquets? Like, he's just he's just a plain jane defensive midfielder like and then everyone was like oh no no uh Busquets is is, is the genius that plays it all together and, and 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 then all of a sudden we got this appreciation for kind of the deep line playmaker and you, you go through history then and and you start to value these guys more and then uh and then the kind of the market adjusts itself. So, for example, uh, we saw proliferation of of expected uh, post shot expected goals saved. For example, with goalkeepers and and they, oh, oh, it's the goalkeepers that are the are the there's a mar- uh, there's a market inefficiency in, in goalkeepers. There's all these really really amazing goalkeepers who can help you win points, and you can get him for thirty euro as opposed to going and trying to buy Messi for two hundred million euro. And, and and winning points that way. So let's go and start buying the buying goalkeepers. And then all of a sudden, Allison was bought and and and, and uh, goalies like this. And all of a sudden, the market inefficiency kind of leveled itself out. And then it was like, oh, centre backs, Virgil Van Dijk, and it's kind of like the the club club um what are they called club scouting departments and club uh, um the the hierarchies of clubs started to figure these things out and we're like okay now we're starting to learn how to patch a team together rather than just kind of buying the player that's in in fashion at the moment or you know and and i think it became a lot more kind of and it's by no means a science but it did come become slightly more scientific but back to your question about pedri i think he's kind of lucky in a sense that we're, we we know how to value him much better now than if he had a broke on the scene 20 years ago it would have been like oh yeah like i mean he's kind of nice decent footballer to watch but whatever whereas now we're like oh my god his expected threat his his true balls his um his uh key passes his passes into the penalty area his he he his pressing stuff like that and uh so, so i think in that sense he's lucky that uh he's coming at the right time but in the future we're going to look back and be like perhaps we're going to look back and be like wow we didn't realize how important now it's highly unlikely, but we might look back and say, "Well, we really didn't appreciate Felipe Coutinho for what he really was." <laughs> now I'm not saying that's going to happen, yeah, yeah, but yeah. These, these are the kind of things, and there's revisionism and and things like that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think Pedri is an absolutely wonderful footballer, and he will top those charts of the stats that I'm talking about for a long time to come. But uh, yeah, I think he's just uh, a product of his time and that we can we can appreciate him now rather than appreciating him, him in 15 years time i mean this happens all the time in nba it's the new stars and the old stars right and how to compare greatness in different eras and so forth and obviously there's been a lot of use of stats you know and obviously the the the, the most common comparison right now is lebron against jordan right and that type of idea but also just like for example how good bill russell was in his era for example and using these stats now, we kind of have this revisionist history where it's like, wow, yes, they were good in person, but wow, statistically, they were even better than I thought. And another person that comes to mind is Carl Malone. Like, I have an idea of Carl Malone, like he was a great player and so forth, but statistically, the consistency at what he was able to output kind of changes your opinion. Now, you know, I'm not the biggest Carl Malone fan, but whatever. It's, it's a good thing to kind of have these stats to do. Before I let you go, 
what are some of your favorite uh, statistical websites to go check out these stats and football and stuff? Do you have any favorites that you love to check out all the time? Yeah, you've got FB Reference, you've got understat.com, uh, you've got Transfer, uh, Transfer Market, just for things. But but I, I don't know if you're talking in terms of just kind of reading statistics and looking at them or actually doing something with them. And and I mean, when I first started doing uh, learning how to code and learning how to program, it was impossible. You used to have to build your own web scraper, which was just so, like, I mean, uh, you have to learn HTML and then you yeah, have to yeah, learn yeah. maybe... And, and it was just so difficult and you, you, you would be at your heart would be broken before you even got to looking at a game of football or trying to under, you know, it was so difficult. Uh, whereas nowadays there's so many different libraries and packages that you can just get that data almost like with the click of a button, as long as you kind of know what you're doing. And there's people that, that and I think that this is kind of the next wave of, um, of uh, and this is where the next wave of, of data analysis and the next wave of metrics is going to come from with all this data and 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 some of the people that are working in this like and they're kids like a lot of these people are kids like you know and yeah, like yeah. uh and, and 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 they're just going to be poking around and this this is when this is where how paradigms shift in terms of scientific revolutions i guess like uh, it's just going to be some kids poking around and figuring out and then they're going to come out with some new metric and then all of a sudden it's going to fall into the hands of a manager or a coach from Borussia Mönchengladbach and he's going to hand it to, you know, and and, and or, or there's going to be a kid that gets hired by Las Palmas and he's going to go and, and, and have a owner that's willing to kind of invest in this kind of thing and then all of a sudden they could change the world of football like we don't know. Yeah, so FB Reference, Understat, Transfer Market, all these places. And then, uh, uh, and, and I mean, FB Reference, like you, you probably know Pro Football Reference, Pro Basketball yeah. Reference. Yep, yep. The, the, these places are hubs for, for uh, stats and, well, sports enthusiasts. Because it, it's funny to me, the, the Americans, there's a kind of, there is it's the, the separation between a, an, a, someone who's a fan of stats and someone who's just a regular fan isn't as clear in American sports as it is in kind of soccer. It's like, oh, sure. you know, and, and it's kind of, the gap is closing. And I think that uh, there is a long way to go. But I mean, the other thing about when you asked earlier about XG and do you think it's a good metric and, and, and things like that, I mean, it's inevitable. Like it's here. Like um, you either kind of have to figure out how to use it and how to implement it and how to read it, and or you're just going to fall behind. Simple as that. So, uh, yeah, FB reference for me would probably be the main one, but um, yeah, there's, there's plenty more um, places to go to to kind of get your get your fix too. Yeah, it's kind of it's one of those things because before we used to use transfer market as just kind of the basis for getting just basic statistics, and then we have now Y Scout, and I just couldn't believe the amount of. Uh, power that this website had with just, you know, with any player in European football, you know, it's crazy. And also not only give you like a scouting report, but also the video footage of it. So like, for example, you can see uh, threats, goals, attacks and like that. And I was just flabbergasted by it because, you know, it was one thing, you know, like we talk about American sports statistical, I feel like it's always been available, especially in the last 15 years. And now to have this power that's coming to to football, essentially, more and more, I'm, I'm really excited because I love seeing stats, because it also just kind of gives me a backup, especially when I'm debating different people about different sports, right? You know, Maradona or Messi, you know, that type of mm. thing. I have a little bit more statistical power now. It's always going to be a debate for for all time, but it's just one of those things I love to have to have numbers back up my passionate arguments with my friends 
who are, you know, when you're, when you're talking in the pub, uh, a little bit of football. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. No, and, and I think, sorry, that, that, I think that's the beauty of it. You could debate it until the cows come home, but at the end of the day, who's right or who's wrong? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I could pick, a, you know, and then, uh, yeah, I, I, I could, um, I could pick out five stats that make Messi look like the best in the world, but at the same time, if I'm, if I lean in a different way, I could pick out five stats to say Ronaldo's the best in the world. For sure. Then it, then it becomes subjective, and that's when it becomes fun because that's when you win and you lose games, and that's when <laughs> you, uh, you're, you're, that's when your argument falls apart, or else it doesn't. So yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's interesting because of that, and um, yeah, I love it. Well, thanks for joining me. Thanks for taking some time out of your day. And, and I hope to talk to you further down the season to get more of your kind of opinion about La Liga and Barcelona with more stats. So thanks, Robbie, for joining me. Absolutely, Gabriel. Happy to do it. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.